Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 22 of That's What Bee Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and I am joined by, we've got a special guest tonight, but first, I would love to welcome back Brittany at Bird's Eye View is with us. Brittany, we missed you last week. I missed you guys too, but the good news is that I'm not dying yet, so... <laughs> Good for me. <laughs> yes, but we definitely wanted to get into what was happening on Twitter with you. We we had we felt like it was a very good topic to cover last week. So maybe you'll have to fill fill me in and fill our listeners in on what happened last week. Oh yes, good stuff. But before we get into that, uh, I would like to welcome Meredith is busy working tonight, so she was unable to join us. We miss her, but we have a wonderful fill in does not have Meredith's hair, but Mr. Danny Cunningham, uh, Mr. Bald one is filling in for <laughs> Meredith. Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you two? Great. Is this going to be awkward? Am I like, am I, on like a, am I the third wheel on the, on the date tonight? No, you're not a third wheel on a date, Brie. I promise. Okay. It'll right. just be me and Danny arguing about things the whole <laughs> yeah, time. How are you, so you going to handle when we fight? <laughs> <laughs> you guys can now call me in any time. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have a fun show ahead of us tonight. We're going to talk Browns, of course, a little bit of calves. And then, I mean, maybe we'll talk a little bit of Indians. I know it's your favorite subject, Brittany. But- Do you like the rundown? <laughs> yeah, I liked how you said, how are they doing? And I just have to say, they had some historic moments last week, not in a good way. So we can just touch on that. Um, but before we kick off with the show, I just wanted to um, mention our sponsor, the Northwest Group. We've been talking about them the last few weeks, and I just wanted to bring up their wonderful textiles, their blankets and pillows. I don't know if you guys have looked into them, but it's going to snow tomorrow in Ohio. So it is still blanket season. And I used one of their wonderful Browns blankets last night at, at baseball. So we have a 25% off code for you guys to use so you can get some blankets to keep you warm these April and May months uh, when it snows in Ohio. And that code is GIRLCLEE, G-I-R-L-C-L-E. And you can use that code on www.thenorthwest.com. All right, let's talk Browns. So uh, we did the show on Wednesday night last week after Jadavion Clowney signed with the Browns. And then it was later in the week that um, in kind of an unexpected move, the Browns cut ties with defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson. This was not a popular move amongst fan base. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about how you felt when you saw the news come through. And then it's been kind of a weird situation because there've been reports that they could potentially bring him back on a restructured deal. So, so there just seems to be this maybe a little bit of hope hanging over what Sheldon could mean if he comes back on a smaller deal. How did you guys feel when, uh, when you heard the news? Am I muted? No, you're good. Sure. Okay. No, <laughs> I have a new mic, so I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to work <laughs> out the kinks of this. <laughs> so when when I heard the news, it was a little bit shocking just because nobody really talked about that being a possibility so far. So, you know, when you saw the tweet that we've released Sheldon Richardson, I was like, well, okay. Like that's sort of shocking, but as an avid Andrew Barry supporter, anytime he does anything, I'm like, guys, don't worry. He's got this. He has a plan in place. I, I fully believe that there's nothing that, that man does that he hasn't already thought like three or four steps ahead of, okay, if we lose this guy, how are we going to make up for it? Um, you know, if we cut this guy, who are we going to bring in to, to compensate for that? So as shocking as it was, and you know, as sad as it was at the time, we still have the possibility, like Kevin Stefanski alluded today that he would be interested in bringing him back. I don't think that if they can do it, they will. But as I put in the rundown, fear not, guys. If they can't, I think there's a way that they can make the defense work the way it is now. Yeah, we'll get into that. Brittany, um, friend of the show, Pete Smith, had an article out this week talking a little bit about how the Browns recover from this move. Um, but Danny, first, I'm going to check in with you on on the news of Sheldon being released. 
were you sad by this? Were you surprised? I mean, I was going through your head. I was certainly bummed out about it. I think that, you know, he's been, first of all, a productive player when he was in Cleveland. He certainly came across as a very likable player, someone that was honest and spoke his mind. And I certainly appreciate those things. Um, I wasn't necessarily too taken aback that it, it happened. I thought if it were going to happen, it would have happened earlier in the offseason. Just because from a cap standpoint, it did make sense. It, it wasn't, you know, a bad idea to do. I would love for him to be back on a more team-friendly contract for yep. maybe this year or next year. And I have to agree with Brittany in terms of trusting Andrew Barry. And I think that he's certainly earned that benefit of the doubt more so than anyone else that's been in charge of this football team in the last 20 plus years has. So I can be bummed about it, but I can also understand why it happened. I think it's kind of one of those things where I get it. I don't love it, but I get it. And they're going to be able to figure it out one way or another, whether Sheldon Richardson comes back on a different contract or maybe they draft a defensive tackle, or I think Andrew Billings has maybe been a little bit forgotten because he didn't play last Mm -hmm. year or just all of these things that can kind of be combined to fill in that void that Sheldon Richardson could leave behind if he's not back in Cleveland. Um, You have to think about those, but it it was still a bummer nonetheless. Yeah. Are we in this weird spot as fans? Because we have really only ever been, we've only ever been able to attach ourselves to players because we haven't been able to attach ourselves to like a winning team. And now we're in this like weird spot where we actually have a winning team and there's probably going to be some uncomfortable moves being made that we as fans don't necessarily like because we get attached to players and we root for them. We root for individual players, but now we have to think bigger picture of, okay, well, what's, what, what's going to make this a better team for the long run. And do we now have to start thinking ahead? Like Andrew Barry is not a bad guy. And I feel like this was his like first maybe controversial move with the fan base of Mm. not that the fan base lost trust in him necessarily, but I think just they were a little bit gutted by this particular move. Yeah. And I think part of that is because he has done so many smart things in the off season with free agency. And, you know, somebody tweeted me and when this happened and they said, nobody bats a thousand, like this is an Andrew Berry miss. Mm. And in the back of my mind, like you were saying, you know, we get attached to players. I, in the past, I have been the number one. <laughs> I, I, I am so guilty of this. Like I get, so I have a picture. I have a, a canvas of Colin Sexton in my living room. I don't even <laughs> yes, have pictures yes, yes. of my family in my, my house, <laughs> but I have Colin Sexton right there. Cause I get super attached to players. However, I will say with the Browns, I don't think I have like a favorite player that I could pinpoint. So since this new regime came in and since we started in this new direction, you sort of look at them like they all rely on each other now. You know, there's not one specific player that I'm attracted to. I just love them all. They're all like my little family now. And if someone gets booted, well, you know, someone else is going to be brought into the family and I'm, I'm all for the family. I sound like the mafia. Like Jadavion Clowney. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Right. I wasn't here last week for that. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. Let's, let's get going. Yeah. And Danny, I like what you said too, about the contract, you know, Sheldon obviously was, he had a pretty productive year last year. He made some pretty impactful plays, big moments. He was fun to watch on when he was mic'd up with Miles Garrett. Like they seem to have a great relationship, great chemistry on the line together, but for $12 million, I mean, that's a lot to pay on someone that may not even get as many snaps this year. You know, yeah. like the defense is going to look completely different. Um, and Joe Woods, I think is going to have a ton of things to play with that he just didn't have last year. So I, I don't want to say that Andrew Barry made the wrong move. I think it's too early to say that. I think he made a smart decision at this point in time with what he knows. And there's still a lot of time left. There's an entire draft we have to talk about. But let's get into this Pete Smith article, a uh, friend of the show. So he wrote an article for Sports Illustrated that talked about how um, the Browns may approach their defense with this new information of the release. So a couple of clips that we put out from this article is talking about how on Sundays, they're going to have three capable defensive tackles on the roster between Andrew Billings, um, who is coming out of the opt-out year, Malik Jackson, who we just signed, and then Jordan Elliott, who played last year. So a lot of the talk has been, 
Do the Browns need to find another player? Pete touched on this as well, um, but they could take a similar approach at this position than they have at the linebacker position. And that may be the simplest way to address this issue. So he talks about at the linebacker position, they pretty much divided it up into specific jobs. They have the run stuffers, the coverage players, and they have players that do both of those things. Um, and they may see some players doing a little bit of both, um, i.e. Jacob Phillips, maybe. If they take the same approach at defensive tackle, Andrew Billings would be the run stopper. Um, he's going to demand double teams and still be able to drive the opposing line of scrimmage backwards. And then Jackson and Elliott can contribute against the run, but then offer more when it comes to pass rush. Um, and then he talked about Elliott's sheer size and strength, um, suggesting they might want more heft up front with the power to move the opponent backward. Um, so I think this situation can go two different ways. I don't think any of us have been pleased with the linebacking position group. So like, is that something you really <laughs> want to compare this to? No, <laughs> that, that, that's the biggest gripe I have with this. Why would you want to do anything on your roster? The way you've handled the linebacker position, your weakest position. Let's model. It I, I mean, that. yes, exactly. Jacob Phillips, you know, we still don't know. He, he was injured last year as a rookie that that takes time. Sion Takitaki hasn't been good. I, I mean, they're yeah. just, they haven't been he good at some, Mac, He had some decent moments. His yeah. moment was catching Carson Wentz's worst pass that he's ever thrown <laughs> and running it for a touchdown. Which and was then, beautiful on two accounts. The fact that it was Carson Wentz and the fact that, you know, we, he did something. And then Mac Wilson, the same thing. Just not a good football player right now. You can't, you can't have... I just don't think it's smart to necessarily spell out they should do this like the linebacking position because the linebacking position has just objectively been a failure. That was oh. by far, that was the weakest link last year. And that's including a secondary that had Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo starting. Okay, but can't it be argued that maybe the approach, like the, the system they had in place, maybe that wasn't the problem, but it was the players that were the problem. Sure. The, I don't think the system was the problem. I certainly think it's a player problem here. Yeah. But I don't think that this is a system, uh, a, a systematic, a system approach. I just don't think that's what that is. Because if you get good linebackers that are going to be good, they're going to be good at more than one thing. Where if you okay, maybe Taki Taki's good at one thing. Maybe you know Mac Wilson's okay at one thing. But if they're not good at multiple things, they're just not going to be good. That's how it is in the NFL at these types of positions for the most part. You have to, you're not going to be great at everything. Obviously you can't have every player be great at everything. If you did, we'd be celebrating Super Bowls every single year, but that's just not how it works. Unfortunately, but you have to at least be passable at most things. And the linebacking group isn't passable at most things. And that's my concern. If they want to do that with the defensive tackle position, that could be a disaster too. Okay. But question though, if we see linebacker as like the Browns weakest position, why is everyone so against drafting one? I think people, because I think people read into this front office, what the front office thinks, and it, they've made it clear that they don't prioritize it, that it's not a position that they want to spend a ton of money at, that they would rather spend money on edge rushers, which is correct. And the secondary, which is, it is the correct way of thinking, but it doesn't mean that you just ignore it. And last year they, they tried to, you know, bargain bin hunt a little bit for it and it didn't work out. And that was a weak spot. So it, it's honestly, it's a little bit like what the Indians have done with their outfielders where they just try and catch lightning in a bottle and they try and hope that that one guy for one year can be really good. If you think back to Rajay Davis in 2016, you know, he, he was good. And then like, that was basically the end of his career. They want to do that with the linebacking position. It kind of feels like where they want to get one guy, he's going to have a good year and then he's going to be gone and they're going to try and do it again. Hmm. So then I have a question for both of you. With that in mind, don't you think that fans might be a little bit harsh on Mac? Because let's he wasn't like a first round, like what they dropped in the fifth round. Yeah. So don't you think if, you know, if what Danny says is true and it's not really his fault, like they don't put a lot of 
um, emphasis on this position. Don't you think we as fans are a little bit harsh on the guy for not being like all world? <laughs> okay. I want, I want Mac Wilson to be a really good football player so bad. Like yes. he, it's like watching <laughs> your unathletic son play a sport that they have no business playing. And I'm not saying he's unathletic. I do not, I do not want to say that. It's just, I root so hard for him because he, he seems so passionate and obviously he's very vocal on Twitter posting his workouts, but well. it's frustrating. <laughs> it's very frustrating to watch missed tackles and blown assignments and, and, and the things that, you know, clips he was posting that we were supposed to be excited about was him being in the right place at the right time, not necessarily like going above and beyond. Um, but I think going back to the whole linebacking being a weak position on the team, I mean, last year's defense, you could say that about almost every position outside of what miles Garrett and Denzel Ward when he was healthy. Um, and Ronnie Harrison played well once he, he was able to, to get on the field. Cause they didn't play him, um, for the first few first, I think four games after he joined the team. Um, but I, I just think it was compounding weaknesses on top of weaknesses. And then when miles even came back from COVID, he wasn't a hundred percent. So it's going to be interesting this year because from a linebacking perspective, I think everyone else around them is going to get so much better that we may be able to hide that weakness just in general, which could make them not want to go hard after that position again. That's, that's what I think um, we're, we're going to get into the potential draft and what Brittany's number one hope is going into this draft. And I think we'll talk about that, but um, I would say, I'm not sure that this, this front office will necessarily value that position even this year. I also think in regards to Mac Wilson, that I think people want to like him. Like I personally, I want to be a Mac Wilson fan. Like the way he, he, truly does seem to love being a member of the Cleveland Browns. And that's a really cool thing to see, especially for, you know, a city that's just been kicked when it's down so many times to see someone that wants to embrace Cleveland and embrace, you know, what it means to be a member of this football team is a really cool thing. I just want that guy to be able to make tackles too, because that's ultimately what's going to count. You don't win games because you love playing for the team. You win games because you're good. And also the fact that he photoshopped his bicep last week was also. Oh yeah, we ha- can we talk about that Don't for a minute? That, that was on. the very last thing that You're Mac Wilson ever needed to do. No, like- you are an NFL player. <laughs> you do not need to make your biceps look bigger. I promise. You want to know what else I think he did? Uh, okay, so I have gotten to be very good at identifying photoshopped images or facetune whatever, whatever app people are using to make themselves look different yeah i, I said photoshop i'm sure it wasn't actually that program which, but which I, is I don't know how sad. to do that i think it, it probably facetune based on like the ridges because people that are really good at photoshopping you can't tell but i'm gonna say he facetuned himself i've seen a lot of facetune butts and boobs out there remember on the when internet. we facetuned your butt brie oh yeah the, jenna has a facetuned <laughs> picture of my butt only for her to see but you know what's funny is i sent it to my husband and he was like yeah it's like looks good he had no idea that it was i was like you see me every day and you didn't even know um anyway he doesn't pay attention so the photoshop biceps i think he also made his waist slimmer there was a lot go back and look at it go back and look at it he made himself have like a very thin and narrow waist I need to find this. Do I respect that move? Did he delete it? I'm assuming he deleted it. I don't think he deleted it. I don't think he did. I think that Browns by Brad uh, posted it on his account. So it's got to be out there. I mean, he could have went the Khloe Kardashian route and had it be removed and start threatening people. (laughs) I wonder how how much time he spends on Twitter. Because if he does, like, I feel bad for the guy. So do I. I do not want to have this be a Mac Wilson slander podcast. In fact, no. we would love to have him on this show. I think, I don't think that's going to happen now. <laughs> For face tune advice? I mean, sure. I, I want him to be good. I truly yeah, I think do. We I, I want do. Mac, I wish Mac Wilson were a pro bowl player and we didn't have to worry about this and we could all, you know, have fun with him making his biceps look bigger because he's making tackles and no one cares yes. what else he does. But 
when you miss a ton of tackles, people are going to care about that. And it's going to one, be funny and to be just a little sad. Wouldn't it be amazing if he just had like a fantastic year? Yeah, and yeah just awesome. everyone could just shut up forever. And no one, no one would be upset about that. Well, m- maybe one person would be upset about that. But that's it. <laughs> no, that one person would just be like, "See, bullying works." <laughs> exactly. Yes. Can I ask a? I don't know if this is controversial. Like, do we think he has a possibility of not being on the team next year? Um, I, I think it kind of, you know, depends right now. No, I, I don't think that's a possibility just because who else is there? Like Anthony Walker and Jacob Phillips and Malcolm Smith and Taki Taki aren't going to be good enough to get him off the roster. Like, the, and he's still going to be able to, you know, play some special teams, cover kicks, it, stuff like that. But you don't have good enough linebackers right now to be like, yeah, we, you know, we don't need to even try and develop you anymore. Like, I don't think that he's just a complete waste of space. I I think that's being too harsh. I think that he can be a good football player. He's just not quite there yet. And I hope that he gets there. And, you know, he was a fifth-round pick. Like, those guys aren't instant studs as much as we want them to be. Not everyone is, you know, even Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was in the sixth round last year, was better than a sixth-round pick should have been. Like, those things don't happen everywhere. So there's still hope for him. He just... He hasn't been as good as so many people would have liked. And I think part of it is, if you think back to training camp before his rookie year, there was so much buzz about him. If you guys remember, he had like five or six interceptions in training camp. Everyone was going nuts about how good Matt Wilson was (laughs) and how good he looked and how good that defense was supposed to be. And we all know what a disaster 2019 was from top to bottom. And we kind of forget about that, but that's how we were introduced to Matt Wilson. It was Oh, they got this guy in the fifth round. And he's just been dominating on defense. And pause, Danny, like, pause for a oh. second. Shouldn't we at that? That was foreshadowing for how the season was going to go, because how it many was. interceptions did Baker Mayfield have? Like, I remember someone posting about 21. Matt Wilson. Yeah. And his interceptions and someone being like, well, is this actually a good thing? Doesn't that say how bad our offense is and Baker <laughs> is performing? Yeah, it, it was. So that was foreshadowing at its worst. Brittany, I know you're chomping at the bit to, to get in on this linebacker talk because it goes in line with the draft. Um, so I think we should get right into it. So Meredith and I last week, we talked about how we're just in such a weird, unfamiliar position with the draft because at the 26th pick, we can do whatever the heck we want mm-hmm. uh, because Andrew Barry's moves have made him not need a specific position. So the ball's in our court, ball's in his court. Brittany, what do you want them to do with this pick? Oh, so, uh, you know, I always said, I'm not going to fall in love with anyone because <laughs> they're picking 26 and who knows who will be available. And I trust Andrew Barry, blah, blah, blah. That's logical me talking. But the real me is like, I cannot wait for them to draft Jeremiah Owusu koromoa That's all I want in life. And, you know, I don't... I honestly, I don't know how realistic it is. I know that I'm going to be heartbroken if it doesn't happen because I've already like sold myself that this is exactly what's going to happen. Um, but guys, imagine having a safety linebacker hybrid who is super fast, super athletic. I mean, like he was Danny, wasn't he like all defensive player of the years? something in the ACC. He was ACC defensive player of the year, I believe, yes. There you go. I mean, I think if they're in a position at 26 where they're picking best available, he might be the best available if he's available. I They're not going to trade up to get him, but if he's there, I don't know how you could justify not taking him. I understand that, that the cornerback position needs help, but if he's there, guys, and they don't take him, that'll be the first time where I am disappointed in Andrew Barry. I'll just admit that. I wouldn't be super confident in him being there at 26. Like, I think if he's a guy that they're going to get, it might have to be because they move up a few spots. Um, I also, I'm in the same camp as Brittany, where I would love to have uh, Owusu Kormoa as the draft pick. I think that he could bring some juice to the linebacking room that it very clearly needs. And 
she mentioned, you know, the safety linebacker hybrid type position where you need someone that's fast. You need someone that can cover and, and Owusu Cormoa can kind of do everything that you need. And I think it would be really interesting to have him on the field at the same time as Grant Delpit, who I think is someone we forget about a little bit. And I kind of think of Grant Delpit, Grant Delpit as that guy that they're going to be able to deploy to hopefully stop Lamar Jackson. Like, I think that that is going to be his ideal role. And if you can have him and Owusu Cormoa on the field at the same time for a game against the Ravens, I like our chances a lot more if that's the case. Yes. Bree, I know you like him too. I know you do. Okay, I have receipts. I know. Remember when I texted you? I think it was on a random Saturday night. It was. And I, like, I was watching Notre Dame play and I was like, ooh, who this guy? <laughs> and I sent it to Brittany because obviously she's a Notre Dame fan. And I was like, I need to know about him because last year I was like, why do I feel like this is exactly what the Browns need? And this is obviously watching a subpar defense all last year. And it just felt like he could be a great fit based on what you were saying, like having that hybrid athletic body type, um, someone that's fast. Like those are all things to me that is attractive about him. Um, I did see someone post today um, what he's the fourth rated linebacker in the draft. I forget who this came from. Um, and I don't even know what this is based off of, but I feel like it's so funny because Brown's Twitter, I feel like is either so for it or so against it. Yes. And here's, here's my take. I don't even care if we try to trade down for him. Like we have so many picks at the back half of this draft that these guys may not make the roster. So move oh, up and get up? him. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I meant like I, down I, as in the numbers, but yeah, I guess I up. was, I was a little confused. I don't <laughs> think I'm not sure he's going to be there at 26. He's definitely not going to be there at 30. No move up. Sorry. Not okay. trade down, move up down in numbers. Um, yeah. To go Fair get enough. him. Common mistake. Go get him. Okay. So I feel like the, the only reason why he might fall to 26 is because he's such a unique sort of player that if a defense doesn't need his skills, they're not going to take him. And I don't know how many, how many teams before the Browns need him specifically. You know what I mean? Not even him specifically, but I think there's, there's a pretty solid chance, you know, that the first 10 or 11 picks in this draft are going to be offensive players. Yeah. You're just not going to see defensive guys go off the board early and, you know, the more that happens, the greater chance he's available at 22, 23, 24, 25, or if they stay put at 26. So that's worth noting too. Yes. So uh, I'm just going to be honest. If they do pick him at 26, I am going to be a monster. <laughs> just don't even talk to me because I will be so obnoxious. I will be crying happy tears. Is he going to be a guy where if another team picks him, you're going to be a fan of that team? No, but I, Ravens. I'm not. A fan. Oh, oh my gosh. You. If he freaking goes to the Steelers, I will be crushed. I mean, they need more help than at linebacker position, but oh, yeah. like, I don't, I don't see them going that way, but like, that feels like such a Steelers move. I'm just, if the, if the Steelers or Ravens get it, I'm just going to be crushed. Like you're already a it, Ravens fan. I'm not a Ravens fan. I am a Lamar Jackson fan, except for every time, he, every time he plays Ravens Cleveland. <laughs> I love him every other day, 363, 362 days a year. You were thrilled when the Ravens won Monday Night Football. I wasn't thrilled. I just wasn't upset like everyone else was because the Cleveland Browns didn't quit. That's Danny, why Danny I is just, here to tell all your stories. This all is your not fair. FYI. <laughs> I can't He's even going to front be an extra tonight. long episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So before we get into the next subject about the Browns, we have to introduce you to um, one of our newest sponsors. So this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, which features Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body. They start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then they blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you've ever felt. The result, you fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink. 
Not only that, it is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, they've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. We are offering this special code for our listeners to get 15% off using code MINUTE15. You're going to go to the website earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. I could use some superfoods, guys, because I got the second vaccination today and my How arm is already stored. Do you guys see me? Like, I keep moving my arm up and down. It's very awkward, but I'm trying to make sure it works. Does it feel like you got hit by a pitch? Yes. And you know what? The, the first shot that I had, I couldn't even sleep on that side. It hurt so bad. Mm-hmm. Same. So, like, I woke up in the middle of the night, like, it was throbbing. So, yeah. I guess I need to put some ice on it. Yeah, and they say to take like Tylenol or something beforehand, I think. Actually, don't listen to me. I don't know like health advice. (laughs) (laughs) It couldn't, like I, half the time, I don't even know if like I hear things or I make them up. That might've been something that I made up. Tylenol feels like a, like sound advice. It's safe, I think. Now we're going to have the CDC warning on the podcast label. (laughs) (laughs) They give babies Tylenol, it's fine. Yes, Tylenol is Tylenol is good. You're right, Brittany. Just How do you know ginger that? Ale. I don't know. Everything can be fixed with ginger ale, though. Ginger ale and Tylenol. Yeah. Dr. Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are going to talk about uh, the Browns. Coach Kevin Stefanski spoke with the media today, which um, I didn't actually realize he was doing. Andrew Barry will be speaking to the media on Friday. Um, it was announced earlier this week that the Browns are one of the teams that are opting out of voluntary workouts. Um, not really a surprise given that JC Treader is um, the president of, is he the president of the NFLPA? And he's been a pretty big advocate of, you know, not doing this based on player safety, the COVID situation that's still happening. And overall, um, they just reported less injuries. So I think they want to do a repeat kind of of last year. Um, even as COVID is starting to like limitations, trying to lift and whatnot. Um, so Kevin spoke with the media today. Um, it was really hard to get anything out of him. I will say (laughs) he talked and not a lot was said. Um, but I did want to give a few updates to our listeners. Um, good news. He did speak about OBJ and he seems to be progressing and also mentioned greedy and grant are progressing as well and are expected to return. So that's great news. Mm-hmm. And then he also mentioned um, about Sheldon's release. So his point of view was, we don't want to lose good players, uh, but there's a cap situation and he hopes that there is a scenario to get him back. So mm-hmm. he did seem to kind of put that out there. Interesting. Um, a lot of questions about his perspective on the voluntary workouts and wanting to get on the field. I felt like they were trying to get that Kevin wanted the players to be there, even though the players didn't want to be there. And I wanted to talk to you guys about this because Kevin is very pro player pro team. Um, And he was not letting on at all. If he was disappointed that his team wasn't there or that he felt like, uh, you know, it was a setback essentially. Um, Did you guys happen to listen? Did you hear any of these nuggets from, from Mr. From coach ski? I did not listen to it. Um, I was working today while it was going on. But as far as like How the, dare you? How dare you, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Ugh, stupid work. Um, but, you know, when they hired Kevin Stefanski, I remember very specifically him calling himself, um, what was the term that he A used? A servant leader? Servant leader, that's it. So he's going to listen to what the guys want. And I believe that there is a mutual respect there that we haven't seen a coach and the players have maybe ever, like not since the time I've been a fan. And when you have that mutual respect, there's an open communication there. You know, you, you weigh the pros and cons of things, you know, they want to do something one way. He wants to do something. He's open to listening to these things. So when you have a coach like that, that's, that's willing to listen sort of work with the players, decide what's best. Last year it worked. I mean, it didn't seem like they had any problems playing this year. Also, just like a side nugget that I'd be happy about. 
we don't have to listen to people that are like, OBJ <laughs> didn't report the involuntary workouts. It's the end of the world. OTAs. I loved not having to, to listen to that last year. It was not a news story yep. anymore. It was just, That's okay. That's a good point. Yes. We, that is something that just goes away. If Kevin's like, hey, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I trust my players to, to do the right thing, to get their workouts and to do whatever they need to do. You know, we're going to hold Zoom meetings, make sure we don't fall off track. If this is a, if this is a new world we're living in, honestly, like a lot of just businesses in general are doing this. So I don't think I'm in no position to criticize him for wanting to to do things the same way last year. I, I think it's great too, and I'm someone that I typically lean pretty pro player when it terms when it comes in terms of these things. Um, and I'm certainly more comfortable now just because of the success the Browns had last year. I, right. I feel like if the Browns can go from you know, six and 10 to 11 and five and a playoff win and, and all that while changing over coaches and systems and all those things that maybe they don't need this stuff. And if it's going to keep the team healthier, if it's going to, you know, satisfy the players a little bit more, I I'm all for it. I think it's a great thing that they can do. And you know what? I love that Kevin Stefanski stood up and, and respected that today too, yes. because I think that's something that's going to go a long way in that locker room. It's something that it's going to, players are going to see that, okay, you know, he's not one of us because coaches are never players. Like they're, that's just not how that dynamic works, mm -hmm. but he understands us and he has our backs. And that's going to go a long way with the 53 guys that end up in that locker room come week one. Yeah. I liked him. Um, he was quoted as saying, um, I've talked to JC, he's transparent, I'm transparent. So they're clearly fully communicating with one another, which I think is really important that they're both on the same page, um, which that, that just goes back to that whole servant leader thing. Um, there's no arrogance, there's no ego involved in Kevin Stefanski. He's not the, my decision is the most important one. I'm not gonna listen to what anyone else wants. You know, like everyone needs to listen to me. I drive the bus like we're like it's what? so it's uh, just such an old school thinking even just these voluntary workouts I mean everyone acts like it's the end of the world like even two years ago with OBJ that he didn't show up you know like it's not the yeah. end of the world these guys are professional athletes they have people that train them professionally it's not like they're at home eating margaritas and eating a bunch of tacos every night. Sorry, eating margaritas, <laughs> drinking margaritas. I mean, maybe they are. It's fine if they are, but you know, they're professional. They know how to take care of their bodies. They know how to do workouts. It's not like they need to be in person together. It's, it's like what you said, Brittany, like so many companies are realizing this, like you can still accomplish work without actually physically being in a location together. Yes. Like it, it can happen. Yes. You're in 2021. And they're professional athletes. They have all the resources in the world to like make yes. it happen even when they're not there. So mm -hmm. if, if you could utilize that and make it work for you, do it. And Agreed. furthermore, they're responsible adults. Yes. Like, yes. Even aside from being professional athletes, these are adults that we're talking about. We're not talking about kids that need to have their hand held. Like it is expected that you show up in shape when you have to show up. Yeah. And I think you should be able to trust responsible adult professional athletes to do that. Yeah. Yes. And like you said too, Danny, they experienced, like they went through an entire season where they had to operate this way. This isn't new. Yeah. This is just a continuation of what 2020 was. It's just a continuation of a, something that they've been used to. And quite frankly, didn't we live through the worst case scenario as Browns where we went full weeks without practicing before a game, we didn't have a coach for the playoff game. I mean, so many things happened that that was just so out of the ordinary that like this is this is nothing. Yeah, I, I mean they lost Miles Garrett for two weeks because of because of this stuff. Yeah, they got incredibly lucky that you know when Baker Mayfield was deemed a close contact that oh, it was gosh. the week of the bye that it, he didn't have to miss a game because of it. They got incredibly mm -hmm. lucky with that timing. So yeah, yep. there was a lot of worst case scenario things, and it makes you rethink. You know what really is necessary. And I don't think that showing up in at the end of April for workouts is something that these professional athletes and responsible adults need to do. Yeah. One, one last thing I want to touch on out of the press conference. So they were, they asked him about Baker Mayfield and the offense, and I'm just going to read his quote. Kevin Stefanski said, I hope it is significantly better. We have streamlined con concepts and we have tried to adjust what we do based on his strengths and our player strengths. 
I would hope he is much more comfortable from that perspective. That is what time together allows you to do. Now, we've talked about how the Browns should obviously improve because they're sustaining their entire offense. They have the same scheme, same system. Everyone is returning from a coaching staff. Then like part of me wants to say on the flip side, like, is that actually a little bit scary to think about? Because are we going to be able to evolve enough where defenses and other teams, like, are they going to be able to figure out how to put a stop to it this year? Like, do you have full trust in Kevin and this staff to make sure that it's not too much of what we saw in 2020? Because I think when I go back to the Kansas city chiefs game, it was like they knew what our offense was. They knew exactly how to stop it. And we just couldn't, we couldn't quite counter back to them. They were definitely outcoached that game. Oh, I know. I hate, I hate, I hate thinking about that game. And I hate, I would, I hate thinking that anyone could outcoach Kevin Stefanski, which is so the weird by the, the way, year. because like this was his first year and you're just like, to me, he's like the superhero coach, but he's only been there for one year. So it terrifies me to think that there's a even a possibility that last year could have been a, a fluke in any way. I think they will make the proper adjust, uh, whatever adjustments they need to make. There were very few times last year where I actually said to myself, he's being outcoached. Um, Kansas city was definitely one of them. What else, what are the other ones? The first Baltimore game week. Yeah. One, okay. That was bad. That was <laughs> horrendous. I now am but getting I, visuals I of that, you, but I, I want to kind of play the other side of this coin here. If I can, where, you know, I understand the, the reason for concern about maybe they can't improve. Maybe last year was, you know, best case scenario. I think that there's so much room to improve because of what last year was, where everything was so constrained. You couldn't meet the way you normally want to meet. You couldn't practice the way that you normally want to practice. And I know we just had this conversation about OTAs being unnecessary and how it's going to be the same as far as that goes. But I think things are going to be different on a weekly basis inside the so. building, inside Berea, where practices, you know, you can be a little more, your walkthroughs can be a little bit better. Your meeting time is going to be different where, you know, Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, they're going to be able to meet all together. And that's something they really couldn't do last year because there were all of these COVID restrictions. And if that's not around, I think that there's so much more room for creativity in this offense. And there's so much more room for this offense to improve. And then you keep in mind, you know, the continuity Baker, hopefully yep. taking that second year jump that we all expected in 2019, just taking it a couple of years later. I think because of those things, I'm incredibly optimistic about this offense this year. I mean, it feels like we should be right. Like, yeah, we should be like, we should be, it feels like they didn't start to jive until midway through the season last year. And, and even so like they still won football games without being fully complete. Well, it, it yes. takes time to get comfortable in a new system. And, you know, it's not just Baker Mayfield that's having to get comfortable in a new system. It's the five offensive linemen, especially when you've got, you know, new pieces in Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. It's Nick Chubb with pass protections. It's the wide receivers with the routes that they're running, the concepts that they're running. All of those things matter. I know it always just gets put on the quarterback because he's often the figurehead of it. But those yep. other positions matter too. And it takes time for everyone to get comfortable. So until that happened, which it did just not right away. And when you also take in mind, you know, they played week one, having no preseason games, having a very different training camp. It was essentially like a dress rehearsal. Oh, by the way, you're going out there against the team that everyone thinks is going to be the, the second best team in the AFC. Good luck. Like that's what happened in the start of the year. I think <laughs> that there's just so much room for them to be better because None of those things are working against them now. Yeah. I can't wait until the schedule gets released. I like, I mean, get the draft over with. Like, let's just release the schedule and know who we're going to play and when we're going to play them. When does that come out in May? Yeah, it's in May. Mid-May? I think they used to release it, like, before the draft, but the NFL's gotten smart and they're making... They try and squeeze every day oh, they yeah. can out of us. Yeah, <laughs> things to look forward to. I mean, we, we know who up. they're playing. We know yeah, we who, know they're, who playing. they're playing. We just don't know when. Yeah, 
It's they try and squeeze everything possible. Out. I want to go to Baltimore this year to watch them play the Ravens. Okay, we have to talk about that tweet I sent you because I was ready to go to war. So I don't even know this guy's name. I'm not even going to say it because it was so annoying. But he tweeted, Brady, you're going to have a hard time with this one because it's, it's both of your loves. Oh, no. <laughs> tweeted, oh, yeah, Baker, yeah, yeah. Baker Mayfield has weapons. Lamar Jackson is a weapon. They are not the same. I, I'm ready to fight this man. These okay, so- Dan. <laughs> Dan. 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 All right. Danny. So. Dan. I'm not going to say that I agree with this, but like, isn't there some sort there's a point here to be made that they are completely different quarterbacks. Yes. Thank you. They are. And I'm not saying Baker. Okay. It's like, uh, their weapons, just different kind of weapons. Like Lamar might be, you know, like a machine gun and Baker might be like a Glock. You know, Lamar might be. Now we are. Wait, wait, now we are like literally comparing them as weapons. Yeah, <laughs> Lamar might be, you know, a BB gun, and Baker would be like a <laughs> super soaker. Like they're just different. <laughs> yeah, this is the best good. analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> All I'm saying is that one of them has won an MVP, right? I know yeah, I'm alone guess, on an island. I'm on. I'm alone on a lot of islands lately. I guess. I guess the only thing I would say about that is I don't know how sustainable Lamar Jackson is. Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know how he's, long he will be built for this football league. He's so not, I, I, he's not built for it. Like yeah, I just he, don't understand. Like yes, he is a weapon, but for how long? Yes. So he's like a a flare gun. <laughs> real burns real hot and bright, but only for a little bit. Only enough to, to get you to where you need to go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, that was perfect. Danny has his hands over his face. Oh, this, <laughs> is a per- this is a perfect transition into Cavs talk because I'm going to let you guys have this one because I'm just going to say this again. Why is the NBA still being played right now? Like, why are we not in the playoffs? I'm so sick of the NBA right now. It's Money been a weird a year. It is. I know. I know it's so weird because of covid and the delays and stuff but i'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around getting live updates on my phone that the Cavs are playing at seven i'm like why why are they still playing (laughs) well typically this time of the nba season is when march madness is going on like they're in this phase that yes 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 yes. in a normal year so it's kind of the time where the nba is just at this back seat exactly and it's not great in march it's just it's (laughs) Because you're not at the play, you're not at the stretch run, but you're ready for the playoffs, but you're not there yet, but you have something else to distract you. But because the calendar got messed up, it's just not that this year. So that's why it feels like it's dragging on a little bit. But the simple answer as to why is money. That's why they needed more money. They wanted to make more money. So can you guys, Meredith and I talked about this last week about the whole play-in game situation. And my mind is boggled by this whole thing. I, I really... I understand like it makes for exciting television and like, I will, I will definitely be watching this. Like I, it adds something um, kind of like March madness in a sense, but in mm-hmm. NBA, then on the other hand, I'm like, I feel like at least in March madness, you have tournaments that, you know, these teams are in the tournament and playing in for a spot or, you know, a team that gets hot and goes on a run. Like this is like the complete opposite. This is like some of these teams just don't deserve to have this chance. <laughs> I don't maybe I'm on an island with that oh, you're not you're okay. not on the island don't worry <laughs> I am I am not a fan of the play in tournament now again it's something I will watch and they're doing it because it's an easy cash grab for sure um, but there are there's several reasons I dislike having it I I think that especially in a shortened season where you're trying to cram so many basketball games into a shorter period of time than normal you're putting too much stress on these guys bodies and it's just it's part of it it's not a good idea from a health and safety standpoint um and on the other end you know you're playing in a normal year you're playing 82 games this year they're playing 72 games if you are not good enough to be a playoff team in a 72 game sample size i am sorry you do not deserve to be a playoff team i agree Brittany and i were looking at the eastern conference standings earlier this afternoon and yeah fill me in 
And by time that you're listening to this on Wednesday, things will look different because there's <laughs> games played on Tuesday night. But the Cavs still have a glimmer of hope to make the play-in game. That is which wild. I is, which I think is a bad idea. But, Bree, as we record this, the Cavs are 20 and 37. They are 17 <laughs> games below 500. And they and still those- have a a long shot goal of making the play-in tournament and potentially making the playoffs. No one needs that. Listen, everyone loves <laughs> a good Cinderella story, okay? Everyone loves a good Cinderella story until that Cinderella story makes it too far and you're like, why are there no good teams? <laughs> like, that's what March Madness is. Everyone loves Loyola Chicago making the Final Four as an 11 seed until the Final Four comes around and you're watching Loyola Chicago play in the Final Four. You're like, this stinks. Where's I, Where's Kentucky? You know, like, I, I get it. And I will say that... I feel like of the the professional sports, so NBA, Major League Baseball, and NFL, I feel like the NBA, historically, the best team wins. You know, th- so to have these, <laughs> the, the Cleveland Cavaliers can have a shot at the playoffs right now. It, to Danny's point, it is a waste of, of time for them they're not going to make it far as much as i'd like to believe that they would be this magical cinderella story because that's how i view them every day of my life i know realistically that's not going to happen so i mean i don't know as a fan i like the idea of playing game because like even in major league baseball i do the playing game and it's yeah. fun like it's a very exciting game i'll even watch it so you know if the nba is doing it i'm gonna watch but i do feel bad for these players because the past two seasons have been so screwed up. Yeah. Like I can't imagine how tired they are. Yeah, I agree. So to have this kind of seems unnecessary at this point, but it's going to be there. Now the question is, do we want the Cavs to have a chance or do we just want them to be done? I'm sure the Cavs want to have a chance, but I don't yes. think the fans do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany speaking from the selfish side. <laughs> I do. We you want Colin Sexton to shine in the national oh, spotlight. That's all I wanted. I mean, like, it's kind of hard to shine any brighter than he did against the Nets this year. But, you know, <laughs> I'd like to see him try in a playoff game. I We were arguing about this today. So how did I even get brought up, Danny? Because we were talking about the forthcoming NBA draft and what the Cavaliers should do um, because obviously if you do make the playoffs, you are not in the NBA draft lottery. Um, And if you miss the playoffs, you are, and that gives you the opportunity to draft a really good basketball player that the Cavs don't have enough of. Um, They're not a team that's, you know, I I gave Brittany two options just because I, it's the worst kept secret in the world that she loves Colin Sexton more than she loves to breathe. So I asked her, would she rather this roster just continue as is, and you, you maybe add complimentary players, but your best player is going to be either Colin Sexton or Darius Garland or Isaac Okoro, whichever one develops into the best player. This ceiling is maybe a seven seed and they never win a playoff series. Or would you rather they end up not so good the rest of this year, which is probably the more likely option, do well in the draft lottery, land a top four pick where you get your choice of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, or Evan Mobley, and Colin Sexton becomes a guy that comes off the bench at some point. But instead, the Cavs become a team that, you know, they're a top four seed in the East for a number of years. They make an Eastern Conference Finals. They really go deep into playoffs. And those are the two options, I think, that are realistic, depending on what happens. I just don't understand why you immediately have to go there. Like, there are other ways that the Cavs can be good without him moving to the bench. This what is are the, the other like, ways? The, uh, him being a starter and then drafting guys. Around. What did I say today? I said, I want, give me the big guys. Yes, just put Colin and Darius out there. Oh, and when we were looking at draft players, he's like, okay, look at this guy. Look at Kate Cunningham. Look at was it Evan Mobley. Like all, and the second Brie, I saw, I looked at their height first, and then I looked at their position. The second I saw guard, I was like, nope, next, 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 because they have my guards. You can add players that aren't guards, and they could still be good. But you who's need that seven guard. foot guy that I like? Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley. There you go. 
Mowgli, like Jungle Book. Let's see? Have you never seen Jungle Book? Because that's a bigger problem. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my God, you're so young. <laughs> no clue. Okay, so the point here is that I think we could live in a universe, Danny, because you love that saying. We could <laughs> live in a universe where the calves can be good without it immediately coming to Colin Sexton needs to be coming off the bench. I don't necessarily think that, you know, he needs to be coming off the bench, but if they, their best path to being a really good team is probably him being your third best guard or him being that guard that can ignite the offense off the bench that can carry a team for a short stretch, but isn't your franchise player. Is it just the size that you hate? It's not necessarily his size. I think that part of his, and I don't hate his size. Like you, I, Darius Garland's the same size. I prefer Darius Garland as a player because I think what Darius Garland does, and Darius Garland right now is not better than Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton is currently the better basketball player. But I think Darius does a good job of making other players better, and Colin doesn't necessarily have that as part of his repertoire. And I think well, that yeah, you but need that's why, that's why like that. Darius is point guard and Colin's not. Exactly. But you also, it's going to be hard to thrive with two guys that are that size in today's NBA unless – one of them is Damian Lillard, and neither of these two guys are Damian Lillard. Not yet. I, it's hard to see a path where Colin Sexton becomes him, and it's, it's difficult to see a path. It's not hard in my him. brain. I'll tell you I, that. I know it's not in your, in your brain. He's already better than Damian Lillard. Well, I mean, who's to say? <laughs> I love that these are the conversations that you guys have, though, I will just say. Consistently. Oh, it's bad. Like it's hypotheticals. Bad. Um, I will say this stuff, and she'll go, why do you have to break my heart? But because it's just rude. Like, you know I'm going to get sad. I might start crying. This is just, I think sometimes you just like to hurt my feelings. And I keep looking at that portrait of him like, oh, my God. Imagine him being a sixth player. My baby. What if he wasn't a calf? Oh, I can't even think about that. It's going to, that'll be a dark, dark day for me. He's the last player that, like, I love. He's it. Like he After him, him, I'm done. Until yes. the next one comes along. No, there will be no other one. Unless, okay, let me let me rephrase. <laughs> I was gonna say. See? We already <laughs> talked about one on the show. The reason that I love him so much is because he needed it. So, like, I love players who need it the most. Colin Sexton needed need it. it when he got drafted. Yes, he did because everyone, nobody wanted him. The only person that wanted him was Dan Gilbert. So, me and Dan know what's up. Dan Gilbert's checkbook wanted him too, and that's all he needed. Me and Dan Gilbert. Quite the pair. I know. You and Danny. <laughs> Lots of Dan's on this conference on this, on this podcast. <laughs> Dan, Dan, Danny. See, we make a good team because I sort of live in my own world and Danny brings me back to reality. I try. Well, there's always a good need for balance. Oh. Yeah, because if not, I would just uh, I'd be bonkers all the time. There's a little bit of room for that too. <laughs> I, I invited my husband on this podcast as well, and he politely declined. He's missing out. We should do like a newlyweds edition where we just like, oh, Meredith can host. <laughs> Brittany, you and I are not wed. Well, yeah, but like we and can I ask each think, other questions. I don't think that, that Brie and her husband qualify as newlywed either. Well, okay, but listen, I think that I would probably get questions wrong. Like that would be the thing. I feel like you guys would probably get more question, questions right about each other. And and that would be really bad if we've been married for over eight years and can't get questions right. You know what? I don't think we would though. Cause Danny, as far as I know, I'm the only girl Danny's ever dated. Cause he never talks about anything that he's done before me. One time I asked about an ex and I was like, what was she like? He's like, I don't know. She was fine. Like that's the only, he dated the girl for like two years. He's like, I don't know. She's fine. She's fine. Oh, that's She's amazing. Fine. She's that's okay. Amazing. Yeah. Love Man, it. a few words, unless we're talking about Colin Sexton. That's how Jeff is too, honestly. So there was that Jeez. one time, like randomly over lunch, where he brought up trading Baker for Deshaun Watson straight up. And I was like, why would you even bring that up? Like, this isn't <laughs> even realistic. really bad right now. <laughs> we didn't yeah, speak. that did not age well. No. Yeah. I was like, leave, leave this room. Yes, that was before all the allegations, but that he feels really <laughs> dumb now. Yeah, anyway. Jeff. <laughs> All right. So let's touch on the Indians very quickly. Um, 
So, Brittany, I'm not sure if you have been keeping up with them over the weekend or over the last week. (laughs) I know, I know. Okay, so I was saying to Meredith last week, I am like on the verge of purchasing them to be able to watch our son pitch, Tristan. Yes. But I was at my sister's house over the weekend and she actually is able to watch them. So I did have the game on, on, it was Saturday night when they lost to the Reds after the, um, I don't know, Danny, if you saw it, but number one, they hit into a triple play. Uh, which was very bad. And then they were leading two to one, two outs. And Josh Naylor had the air at first base, literally ground ball went right under his glove. Um, and the Reds ended up winning. So they've had some pretty bad. They, they obviously got no hit last week as well. That was on, I think, I think it was happening on Wednesday night when Meredith and I were recording. So we obviously didn't talk about it because it was in the make. Um, so they've had some pretty historic moments on the other end, but then I, I would be remiss to mention Shane Bieber has been absolutely crushing it and dominating. Um, he also made history over the weekend on Sunday. Um, he struck out 30, or 30, wow, 13 batters, um, against the Reds on Sunday. And he became the first pitcher in big league history to begin the season with four straight starts with at least 10 strikeouts. So pretty incredible that, you know, the pitching remains a constant for this ball club. And unfortunately, there's just so much inconsistency inconsistency when it comes to the offense and then who we put out in the field. Like, it seems like we have so many guys that are not playing in their natural positions. And then things like what happened with Josh Naylor happened. It's been a, it's been a tough watch. It's a shame because, as you mentioned, Bree, the pitching is just incredible. And Always it's incredible so year after year after year. I mean, if you think back to 2018, 2019, you know, the rotation was Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, and Shane Bieber was like an afterthought as yeah. your number five starter. And now Shane Bieber is the best pitcher in baseball. And it's none insane. of those guys are there. And they still have the best rotation in baseball, arguably. Like, yes. it's just incredible. It, they have essentially just become a pitching factory, but they can't develop anyone that can hit a baseball. I know. It's remarkable. They've developed, in the last decade plus, they've developed Jose Ramirez, Frankie Lindor, and Michael Brantley. And nothing else has been good. I know. I said to my dad, uh, we were talking about it, and I was like, wouldn't it be nice if the Indians pitchers could pitch a perfect game or even just a no-hit game? Like if the, if the Cleveland Indians pitchers could pitch against the Cleveland Indians batters, (laughs) they might actually have perfect games, but like we have to face other teams that have an offense. But I was like, just imagine if our pitchers faced our batters. Well, like how about Shane Bieber last week against the White Sox? He pitched against Lucas Giolito. He pitched nine shutout innings. It's insane. And they had to play a 10th inning. That is so, that is, it's so sad. I would be so mad if I were him. Like, yeah, like all, all it's, the time. It's just not fair. Like, our pitchers shouldn't have to be perfect. No, he's doing the group project all on his own. <laughs> it's just That's him. The pitchers are doing the group project. I yes. know that, you know, tonight they gave up eight runs, but the pitchers are doing the group project and yeah. it, it stinks. And I still waste three hours every night watching them. I know. I have to like now either watch it at my sister's house scroll my phone for like updates which is riveting in baseball nothing happens (laughs) or i'm gonna actually i'm gonna buy it i just have to figure out i have to talk to my i have to talk my husband into it you know little sacrifices i was like we have a podcast about sports i have to be able to watch them like what are we doing it's a (laughs) write-off you don't technically have to watch them you're right you're right I do actually like I did enjoy it on Saturday though I have been enjoying watching baseball it's so weird and I um I'm actually watching the the Cubs and the um the Mets I was saying this last week again I'm I've watched Frankie Lindor now like four times this year and I watched the Indians like once in real time like that's where I'm at right now because I obviously get the national games but um I I I did see um baseball is actually recording pretty solid ratings like Is since it? the start. Yeah. Um, they've gotten like really strong um, ratings and people watching national games. And so it, it looks like baseball is, is baseball back? I don't know. Well, Can we say that? I mean, it's always been more of a regional sport where yeah. like you're going to watch your team. Like I don't have interest in watching the Mets game tonight per se, but you know, a lot of people do. 
and I think part of it is it's so habitual. Like you can, you know, every night at seven o'clock, if you turn on your local regional sports network, there's going to be baseball on and you're going to at least have it on in the background. Like that's just, it becomes habit at a certain point. So yeah, you're going to watch more nights than not, even if you're not totally dialed in every single night. That's what I tend to do. I'll have it on like in the background and then it'll like capture my attention for a little bit and I'll go back to whatever I'm doing. But yeah, I think five minutes was enough on the Indians for now. It's all they deserve. That is. <laughs> and I uh, say that as someone who absolutely cannot quit them. No, they, he watches every game. They are my drug of choice. I oh. cannot quit them. You're not I the only one. That. I'm going to give you my password for Twitter and you could just tweet baseball stuff for me. And we'll see how it does. People are going to ask if you've been hacked. <laughs> they won't. We'll just do it. It'll be a science experiment. I love science. Well, we're going to do it this week. I can't wait. I'm going to give you my phone. Close tabs. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Danny, for joining us and filling in for Meredith this week. Um, it was lovely having you. Um, one announcement before we go, I should have mentioned this off the top, but Brittany and I are going to be doing a special live video um, on Facebook Live tomorrow with Heavy. We're going to be talking Browns, more Browns. Uh, so if you guys want to tune in, um, I think we're going to kick off around, I think, 8 p.m. Is that what we decided on, Britt? Yes, 8. 8 p.m. We will mm -hmm. be tweeting it out and promoting. So just check our check our uh, Twitter pages to figure out all those details and show up, ask us some questions. It'll be our first time, but hopefully not our last time. Yes. Um, again, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to rate and review us. Send us a note on Twitter. Send us your feedback. Uh, send Danny a note telling him how much you enjoyed having him on. And we'll bring yeah. him back for a newlyweds version. <laughs> Thanks, Danny, for joining us. Thanks, My Britt. My pleasure. Goodbye, guys. Talk to you guys all next week.